Chapter Thirty-Three of the String of Pearls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Hui Jing. The String of Pearls. Author unknown. Chapter Thirty-Three. The discoveries of the vaults of Saint Dunstan's. Well, Sir Richard, remarked the beadle of Saint Dunstan's. To the magistrate, after the ponderous stone was raised in the center of the church, upon which the workmen had been busy, don't you smell nothing now? The magistrate, church wardens, and indeed every one present, shrank back from the horrible stench that saluted them. Now that the stone was fairly removed, why, good God! exclaimed the senior church warden. Have we been sitting and hearing sermons with such a charnel house under? I always understood that none of the vaults exactly underneath the church has been used for many years past. Hush," said the magistrate. "The inquiry we are upon is perhaps a more important one than you imagine, sir. More important? How can that be?" Didn't the bishop smell it when he came to confirm the people? And didn't he say in the vestry that he could not confirm anybody while such a smell was in the church? And didn't we tell him that it would be a sad thing if he didn't? And then he did confirm the people in such a twinkling that they didn't know what they were confirmed in at all. Hush, my good sir, hush and hear me. Would you? Now that you have got up this great stone and opened, as I see, the top of a stone staircase, by so doing, send away the workmen and indeed all persons but yourself and me. Well, but, but you don't mean us to go down, sir, do you? I mean to go. You may depend. Send away the men at once, if you please. I have ample warrant for all I am about to do. I assure you, I suspect I shall be well able to free Saint Dunstan's Church from the horrible stench that has been infesting it for some time past. You think so, sir? Bless you, then. I'll do just whatever you like. The workmen were not sorry to be dismissed from the uncomfortable employment. But the beadle, who was holding his nose, and who, having overheard what Sir Richard had said, was extremely anxious upon the subject, put in his claim to stay on the ground of being one of the officials of the church, and he was accordingly permitted to stay. This seems to lead to the votes," remarked Sir Richard, as he looked down the chasm, which the removal of the stone had left. Yes," replied the churchwarden. "It does, and they have, as I say, been unused for a long time. But how that dreadful smell can come from bodies that have been forty or fifty years there, I can't think. We must be careful of the foul air," remarked the magistrate. "Get a torch, Mister Beadle, if you please, and we will lower it." Into the vault, if that leaves, we can, 
And if you please go first to the door of the church and take this silk handkerchief with you, and hold it up in your hand, and upon that signal, four persons will come to you. They are officers of mine, and you will bring them to me. Oh dear, yes, certainly," said the beadle, who was quite happy at the thought of such a reinforcement. "I'll do it, sir. And as for a torch, there is some famous links in the vestry cupboard, as I'll get in a minute. Well, I do think the smell is a little better already, don't you, sir? I'm a going. Don't be impatient, sir. I'm going like a shot. I am." To give the beadles his due, he certainly executed his orders quickly. The four officers, sure enough, obeyed the signal of the handkerchief, and in a few minutes more, a torchlight was lowered by a rope down the gloomy aperture. All watched the light with great interest as it descended, but although it certainly burned dimmer than before, yet it showed no sign of going out. And the magistrate said. We may safely descend. The air that will support flame will likewise support animal life. Therefore, we need be under no sort of apprehension. Follow me. He commenced a careful descent to the stone steps, and was promptly followed by his four men, and much more slowly by the beadle and the churchwarden, neither of whom seemed much to relish the adventure. Although their curiosity prompted them to continue it, the stone steps consist of about twenty, and when the bottom was gained, it was found to be covered with flagstones of considerable size, upon which sawdust was strewn, but not sufficiently thickly to cover them in all places completely. There was a death-like stillness in the place. And the few crumbling coffins, which were in niches in the walls, were with their tenants, evidently too old to give forth that frightful odor of animal decomposition which pervaded the place. You will see, Sir Richard," said the churchwarden, producing a piece of paper, "that according to the plan of the vaults I have here, this one opens to a passage that runs halfway round the church." And from that passage opens a number of vaults, not one of which has been used for years past. I see the door is open. Yes, it is as you say. That's odd, Sir Richard. And it? Oh gracious! Just put your head out into the passage, and won't you smell it then? They all tried the experiment, and found indeed that the smell was horrible. Sir Richard took a torch from one of the constables and advanced into the passage. He could see nothing but the door of some of the vaults open. He crossed the threshold of one of them and was away about a minute. After which he came back, saying, "I think we will all retire now. We have seen enough to convince us all about it." "All about it, sir." Said the churchwarden, "What about it? Exactly. That will do. Follow me, my man." The officers, without the slightest questions or remarks, followed Sir Richard, and he began rapidly 
with them at his heels to ascend the stone staircase into the church again. Hilloa! cried the beetle. I say, stop! Oh, Lord, don't let me be lost! Oh, don't! I shall think something horrible is coming up after me and going to lay hold of my heels. Don't let me be lost! Oh, dear! You can't be lost, said one of the officers. You know, if anything is going to lay hold of your heels, take it easy. It is only a ghost at the most, you know. By the time the beetle got fairly into the church, he was in that state of perspiration and fright that he was obliged to sit down upon the tomb to recover himself. And the magistrate took that opportunity of whispering to the churchwarden, "I want to speak to you alone. Come out with me." Ordered the church to be locked up, as if we meditated no further search in the vaults. Yes, oh yes, I knew there was some secret. There is a horrible one, such a one as old London will ring with in twenty-four hours more. Such a secret. As will never be forgotten in connection with old Saint Dunstan's Church while it is in existence, there was a solemnity about the manners in which the magistrate spoke, which quite alarmed the churchwarden, and he turned rather pale as they stood upon the church threshold. Do you know one Sweeney Todd? Asked the magistrate. Oh yes, a barber. Good. Incline your ear to me while we walk down to Downing Street. I'm going to call upon the Secretary of State for the Home Department, and before we get there, I shall be able to tell you why and what sort of assistance I want of you. The churchwarden did incline his ear most eagerly, but before they had got halfway down the Strand, he was compelled to go into a public house. To get some brandy, such an overpowering effect had the horrible communication of the magistrate upon him. What that communication was, we shall very soon discover. But it is necessary that we follow Mister Todd a little in his proceedings after he left Johanna in charge of his shop. Todd walked briskly on till he came nearly to Pickett Street in the Strand, and then he went into a chemist's shop that was there, in which only a lad was serving. You recollect," said Todd, "serving me with some rat poison. Oh yes, yes, Mister Todd, I believe, the same. I want some more, for the fact is." That owing to the ornament I have in my shop for the hair, the vermin are attracted, and I have now as many as ever. It was only last night I awakened and saw one actually lapping up hair oil, and another drinking some rose water that they had upset and broken a bottle of. So I will thank you to give me some liquid poison, if you please. As they seemed so fond of drink, exactly, sir, exactly," said the lad, as he took down a bottle and made up a portion. Exactly, sir. If you put a few drop only of this in half a pint of liquid, 
It will do. A couple of drops. This must be powerful. It is a dozen drops, or about half a teaspoonful, would kill a man to a certainty. So you will be careful of it, Mister Todd. Of course, we don't sell such things to strangers, you know. But you being a neighbor alters the case. True enough. Thank you. Goodbye. I think we shall have rain shortly. Do you know? Todd walked away with the poison in his pocket, and when he had got a few yards from the chemist's door, he gave such a hideous chuckle that an old gentleman who was close before him ran like a lamp lighter in his fright, and put himself quite out of breath. This will do," muttered Todd. "I must smooth the path to my retirement from business." I know well that if I were to hint at such a thing in a certain quarter, it would be considered a certain proof that I have made enough to be worth dividing, and that is a process I don't intend exactly to go through. No, no, Missus Lovett. No, no. Todd marched slowly toward his own house, but when he got to the corner of Bell Yard. And heard Saint Dunstan strike twelve. He paused a moment and then muttered, "I'll call and see her. Yes, I'll call and see her. The evening will answer better my present purpose." He then walked up Bell Yard, until he came to the fascinating Missus Lovett's pie shop. He paused a moment at the window, and leered in at two lawyers' clerks. Who were eating some of yesterday's pies? The warm day batch had not yet come up. Happy youth, he chuckled, and walked into the shop. Mrs. Lovett received him graciously as an acquaintance, and invited him into the parlor, while the two limbs of the law continued eating and praising the pies. Delicious, ain't they? said one. Oh, I believe you," replied the other. "And such jolly lots of gravy too, and there. I wonder how she does make them. Lord bless you, I almost live upon them. You know, I used to take all my meals with my fat old uncle Marsh, but since he disappeared one day, I live on Lovett's pies instead of the old buffer. End of chapter thirty-three. Recording by Hui Jin.